All right, if you turn with me in your Bibles today, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 is where we're going to start today. As you know, if you've been here for the last, this will be the third week we've been in uh, our City of Angels series. We're looking at, at different times in the Christmas story when an angel showed up to bring a message from heaven. A messenger from heaven showed up and... In fact, it's been Gabriel every time. So we looked at Mary, and you can go back and listen to those if you want to. But we looked at Mary, and then last week we looked at Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents, when the angel came and spoke to them. Today we're going to look at another angel encounter, a moment in human history that was huge. This was a moment when a human got a word from heaven. You ever had one of those moments? Have you ever gotten a word from heaven or felt like God just spoke to you? It might happen today. It could have already happened during the worship or during one of those songs or or during one of those things or it may happen now as we read the living word. I believe that God is powerful and alive and that he can speak to your heart and your mind at any moment while we're together and we've created this space So it could happen right now that heaven could get a message to you. But I want you to know that it can change your whole life. You know, as we've looked at these last three weeks, and this one today is no different, that when an angel showed up and brought a message or a word, a word comes from heaven, from God to you, it can change your whole life. Like everything can and will change. If you act on that word. If you obey what God's asking you to do. It completely changed Mary's life. It changed Zachariah and Elizabeth's life for sure. And today we're going to look at how it changed Joseph's life. But in all three stories, they chose to obey. All three stories, the angel showed up, but then they were left with the decision on, am I going to do it or not? Right? Like, should I do what God told me to do? Do I have the faith to believe? It's a new thing. I don't understand how it's going to work. You know, Mary, I'm a virgin. How is this even going to happen? She had to believe. They had to obey. So today we're going to spend just a few minutes. I know the the worship went a little longer, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to take too long, but I think this is very important. I want to spend a few minutes talking about Joseph. I feel like Joseph doesn't get talked about a lot. You know, he doesn't get a whole lot of attention for some reason. And we don't have any, like, quotes. We have nothing in Scripture that Joseph actually said. We just have a few things about his character. We know where he was from. We know he was from the line of David, right? And so we know some things about Joseph, but... We don't have where Joseph ever preached a message or anything. And then Joseph passed away before Jesus ever went into ministry. There are several different um, things in Scripture that show us that. But Joseph was no longer around by the time Jesus went into ministry. And according to Jewish tradition, that would be why Jesus still lived with his mother up until that time. Is because if the husband passed away, then the oldest son would stay and take care of his mother. 
And so, and then that's why Jesus on the cross looks down at John and said, Hey, John, behold your mother. Mom, behold your son. Is because he was turning over the responsibility, like now, because his mom had no husband, and so he was turning over the responsibility to take care of her. So anyways, Joseph had passed away before he ever got to see Jesus doing miracles. Before he got to see Jesus go into ministry. All these things like Joseph was gone. You know there had to be some doubt and some thoughts in his mind of thinking, was he the son of God? I'm sure there were hints and things growing up. The last time we, we hear about Joseph being in the story was when Jesus was 12 years old and they lost him. Remember we mentioned that two weeks ago when we were talking about Mary. That was the last time we hear about Joseph was when Jesus was 12. So sometime in there is, is when Joseph passed away. But I want to look at, at Joseph, God's stepdad. That's weird. If we believe Jesus is all man and all God, and that should be enough to know that God chose Joseph to help raise his son. Think about that. Those of you that are fathers, if you have a kid and you were picking out a guy to raise your kid, I bet you're going to pick the best dude you can find. If you're God, you know every man alive on the planet and you even know their thoughts, everything they've ever done and everything they're going to do. So who are you going to pick to raise your kid? I'm going to pick the best dude I can find. Just that tells me that Joseph must have been a pretty good guy. God must have seen some things in Joseph that he needed to raise Jesus. To teach Jesus how to be the sacrificial lamb. To teach Jesus the obedience. You know the, the extreme obedience that Jesus had to have to the Father? It had to be learned from his earthly parents first. To ultimately he obeyed his heavenly Father to the point where, you remember in the garden, Jesus was sweating drops of blood. He had such anxiety. He, he didn't want to do it, but he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, that kind of obedience isn't just birthed in a moment. It's over time. It's trained. It's taught. It's learned over a lifetime. We know that Joseph was a good man. Scripture tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. So let's look, at, let's look at when the angel showed up, and then we'll talk a little more about Joseph. In Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. See, Joseph was a good guy. And it tells us right there, Joseph being a just man. He wasn't just a man. He was a just man. And in Joseph's mind, I want you to think about this. At this point in time, in Joseph's mind, Mary was wrong. 
this was before the angel talked to him, so he didn't know that the Holy Spirit got her pregnant. He thought she cheated on him. She had sinned. She was now unclean. In his mind, Mary was wrong, 100% wrong. She messed up. She, she made a mistake. She shamed him, her whole family. Like She was to be an outcast, all of these things. She was a big mistake. We know that's not true, right? But, but at this point, that's what Joseph thought. And these are the things that he was thinking while he thought she was a sinner, a mistake, a shame. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. You know what that means? You know what that wording means? In, in the Jewish culture at that time, according to Jewish law, um, this Mary could have been stoned to death, taken into the streets and killed for this. This was a, um, you could be punished by death for this. Now, whether they would have killed her or not, there's some debate about that because at this time they were under Roman law. And so the Romans at this time reserved the right for all capital punishment. But at the very least, at the very least, their engagement or their marriage, at this point, they were already married legally. They just hadn't slept together yet under Jewish law. And he would have been building his house and working on his trade. And then they would come together. So they were already legally married. And so Joseph would have had to put up, give gifts to her parents and put up all these things and all these financial things and show that he could provide for her and her future children and all this stuff in the future. So according to law, at the very least, if they could have killed her, but if they didn't kill her, she would be shamed, right? And all of the stuff that Joseph had given would go back to him. All of the shame would be taken off of Joseph because it wasn't his mistake. He would take her to court in front of all the people and say, she's pregnant, it's not my kid, she's a sinner, do with her what you will. That would have been the public trial that Mary would have gone to. And Joseph's sitting there thinking, I can't do that. I can't make her a public example. Even though she messed up, even though she hurt me worse than... I could imagine being hurt even though she's a sinner, even though I can't make her a public example. And he was minded to put her away privately. Or your translation might say to divorce her privately. Let me finish reading what the angel said to him. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Don't be afraid. Notice the angel says that every time he shows up. Fear not. Why? Because fear will stop you from your destiny. Did you know that you're called to father or if you're a woman to mother something great? Greatness. That the Christ is inside of you and that, and that you can birth that thing. That there's something great inside of you. But fear, it'll stop you. The fear of what people will think. Can we call it peer fear? If you're afraid of what everybody else thinks or, oh, no. Geez. Think about Joseph here. 
If he worried about what other people thought, there's no way he would have obeyed this angel. And it would have stopped him from the greatest calling of his life. Would have stopped him from being part of the greatest story. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. I've devoted hours and hours this week into studying about him. He's part of God's story. Don't give in to fear. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She ain't lying. But God, it doesn't look like I thought it was going to look. That's okay. Verse 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou, that's important, thou or you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know why that's important? Because in the Jewish days, exactly eight days after the child was born, they would do this whole ceremony, but they would do the circumcision. And the child was eight days old, and at the circumcision, the father of that child would name the child. And by you naming that child, you claim, this is my child. If there was any doubt in your mind that this isn't my child or we need to have a DNA test or whatever, then that would be brought up within those first eight days before that. If you, On the eighth day, if the father stood up and said, his name is Matthew, that would be me saying, this is my son. I am 100% the father and this is his name. I'll call him Matthew. So he said, yeah, the Holy Spirit um, got her pregnant and he said, and you're going to name him. You're going to claim him. He will be 100% yours. In your family, he will be your firstborn. I want you to father him. He's not just some stepchild or you're not just going to make sure he's got some food. No, I need, you to, I need you to think of him as your son. And thou, you, shall call his name Jesus. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, or God with us. Not God far, far away. God with us. God in the mess. God tasted death. He went from the manger all the way to the cross. He experienced everything that we've experienced. He was tempted in every way that we're tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest who is who's not easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's felt everything that we feel, and he goes to God on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. He became sin so that we could become righteous. You see, God's in the manger, and God's in the palace. And God's in the factory, and God's in the home, and God's in the pain, and He never left you, and He's with you. 
And I want you to know today that you're the reason for the season. That sounds kind of weird when I say it because most of the time people say Jesus is the reason for the season. We remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. But really, Jesus would not have come if he didn't have a reason. Right? Jesus had a reason to come. And you and me, we're that reason. Jesus was God's gift to all of mankind. There was a reason that He experienced pain and death and puberty. For you and me. So you're the reason. And so, like I said, I've been thinking a lot about Joseph this week and what an awesome task he was given. What an awesome responsibility he had to raise Jesus to save the whole world. I was also thinking about how we have several times in Scripture where we see that Joseph protected Jesus when he was a baby. Joseph gets, has another dream right after this one. And the angel tells him, get out of there, Herod's going to kill Jesus. And so Joseph packed him up in the middle of the night, and they left to Egypt. And then they lived in Egypt for years, and then, guess what? Angel comes back and speaks to Joseph. That means he was still listening and obeying and said, Herod's dead, you can go back home. Joseph went back home. Joseph protected and raised Jesus. I think about how we talked about how God gave Mary... This dream, like God gave Mary a dream of you're going to be the mother of Jesus. And he's going to save the people from death. And Joseph, think about this. The dream that Joseph had was to support Mary's dream. Right? The dream that that Joseph was given was, hey, I've already told Mary what to do. And now she can't do it on her own. So the dream that I'm giving you is that you need to support Mary's dream. See, it's a big enough dream for more than one person. And if we get in on God's dream and the thing that He's placed inside of us, the greatness that's inside of you, you're not going to be able to do it alone. And so God's going to give you a dream, but that dream is going to be jumping in and supporting somebody else's dream because His dream's so big that no one of us can do it on our own. That's why we need each other. That's why we need church and community and relationship. And that's why I can't do it by myself. And neither can you. And so God gave Joseph, sent the angel in this dream to tell Joseph, Hey, I need you to support Mary's dream. I need you to protect her. I need you to protect Jesus. I need you to be there for her because she can't do it on her own. She's blessed and highly favored, and I'm going to flow through her and use her. And she's going to be there all the way to the cross. But she's not going to make it that far if you're not there to start. Joseph, you got to support Mary's dream. Mary could not have done it without Joseph. His protection... His obedience. Joseph deciding to be the man that he didn't have to be. Mary could have been stoned. 
she definitely would have been shamed and rejected and homeless to raise her what they thought was illegitimate child. That's how it was, their culture, their law. And Joseph wouldn't let that happen. Found a little video for you. Y'all got that ready? We might see Samuel, but it's been so long. I don't know if he's living in the same home. Hope so. You've said so much about him. We will see. We won't have any time to look for him if he's not, of course. We'll see. Are we out? Not even a drop. Come on. Um, Joseph? Yes? Can you stop, please? I'd, uh, I'd like to walk for a bit. No, Mary. Why would you want to walk? Dangerous. I'm getting a bit uncomfortable. Elizabeth actually told me it's good to walk and move when I feel up. You won't have any water until I get you to town. You need your rest. I, uh, let me get you more comfortable, huh? Just... Joseph, you don't have to be the only one walking. Plus, we're far enough away from Nazareth. Don't have to hide my condition anymore. Mary, this blanket is stuck. There is no way that you're comfortable. Joseph. I'd like to walk with you. Please. I am responsible for you, Mary. For you and... Uh... You protect us. Yes. I know. I know. I'll let you help me down. <laughs> All right. You can walk for a few minutes, huh? But please, not too far. You need to save your strength. I actually do need you to help me down. Ah, ah, yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Slowly, slowly. Yes. Watch the baby. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. <sighs> Is it okay? Yes, yes. Hey. This feels better. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for protecting me. I don't know that I've said that yet. We have a little ways to go yet. Let's see how tonight goes I'm and... I'm not uh... talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about... before. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I've been meaning to say something this whole journey and I just... I didn't and I should have. Hmm. I should have months ago. You don't have to? Yes. Yes, I do. You could have gotten all of the bride price back from my father. It, it, it was never about the money. I know it wasn't. And I know it's not polite to talk about, but no one would have blamed you. For what? For divorcing me. Oh. Publicly. Mary. I... You could be betrothed to someone that you don't have to hide, <laughs> and people wouldn't be gossiping about you. And you could go be registered without having to drag me on this donkey for five minutes. <laughs> Joseph, 
You are a brave man. And you are godly. And I should have said thank you. God told me to. I know he did. Mm. You had a choice. <laughs> I don't believe that I did. But I'm glad. Either way. I wouldn't change a single thing that has happened since that dream. Hmm? Neither would I. <laughs> oh, this all seems impossible, huh? Yes. Yes. But remember what the messenger said to me? Mm hmm? Nothing is impossible with God. My messenger didn't say that. That would have been nice, huh? Feeling better? Hmm? A bit, yes. Okay. Up, up. Okay. Okay. We need to move quicker. You need water, and I plan to get settled for the part where your messenger and my messenger said the same thing. Mm. And she will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Yes, that part. Come on. I like how, uh, how she said to him, yeah, but you had a choice. He said, well, I didn't feel like I did. And sometimes... When God tells us to do something, I can look back on times in my life where I obeyed God and I thought, I have to because God's telling me to do it. But then just like Joseph just said in the clip, I wouldn't trade a minute of it. Does that mean it was all easy? No. Well, they had been walking through some really hard stuff already and Jesus wasn't even born yet. That last part, let's get settled for the part where your messenger and my messenger said the same thing. I love that line. The Message Bible words those same verses that I just read like this. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they, became, before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant and it was by the Holy Spirit but he didn't know that Joseph chagrined but noble determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced while he was trying to figure out a way a way out he had a dream God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. And she will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. 
this would bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. And they will name him Emmanuel. It's Hebrew for God with us. Then Joseph woke up and did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary. But he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. And he named the baby Jesus. He obeyed. And by naming the baby Jesus, he was accepting the call. You know, when they got to Bethlehem, and there was no room in the inn. And we've all heard that, and we hear, well, there was no room in the inn. And, and we picture them going from like hotel to hotel because to us, inn, the word inn, uh, we think that's like a hotel. And we're like, man, how is there no room in the hotel? Oh, because of the census. But really, if you go do a little bit of digging and studying on that, that's not even the word that was used there is not that of a hotel. And this would have been Joseph's hometown that they were traveling to. That was the whole point. You have to go back to your hometown. And so Joseph, you know, back in those days, he should have had plenty of family living there in the hometown. And so when you traveled in, you would stay with family. Right? Like I would, you would go and, and stay with family. The word that's used, the only word that's used in the gospel that we would translate in, or how we would say they went to the inn and there was no room, that word, it's a Greek word, and it's kataluma, and it means a room in a house or a guest room. It's a guest room in somebody's house. So there was no guest room available in any of his family members' houses. They were probably traveling there because it seems irresponsible that Joseph was traveling with his pregnant wife knowing she was about to have a baby and didn't have a reservation or anywhere to stay when they got there and he was scrambling. No, he was planning on staying with family in the guest room. But he got there and all the guest rooms were full because all the family had to come from everywhere and they were already filled up. The other problem was that to the Jews, when a woman had a baby, she would be considered unclean because of the blood and things. So she would be considered unclean, and the place where she had the baby would be considered unclean until she went through this period, and then there was the process of purification and all the things that would happen. And so if she were to have the baby upstairs in the house with the other people, then they would be considered unclean as well, and none of them would be allowed in the synagogue, and none of them could go to the church that next week, and all the things. And so they wouldn't want to be around someone having the baby, or in the room where the baby was being had, and stuff like that. But there would be another room in their houses, which was what we would call like a basement or a garage. That would be the lower level of the house. The guest room would have been like an upstairs room. There was no available rooms. The lower part, like the garage or the basement, is where they would bring their animals in at night to keep them safe. Because back then, animals were so valuable. If you had a milk cow or a couple of goats or if you were rich and had a horse or a donkey or a camel or something like that, you would bring it inside to keep it safe at night. And so the basement or the garage area would also have a manger in it because when you brought the animals in, you would feed them. Right? And so they were 
they were in the basement. They were in the lower level where the animals would stay. And that's where that idea comes from. They were probably with family. We get these ideas in our head just because of things we've heard or, you know, they went from end to end knocking on doors. But the Bible doesn't even say that. So ask questions. Don't just go with something that you've heard. It's okay to, to ask questions, to get a deeper meaning. You know, Luke is the only one recorded to say manger in the Christmas story. The others don't even, don't even mention the manger. Luke mentioned it um, only when he was talking about the angels coming and announcing it to the shepherds. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That was really the only time the manger was even mentioned was there by the angels that Luke recorded. But the spotless lamb, the sacrifice of love came for all of us. God gave his only begotten son. If you hadn't figured it out yet, love gives. The number one response of love is to give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died so that you could live. And change the world. But it's a choice. So Joseph... Joseph, back to just talk about Joseph for a minute and we'll wrap it up. Joseph was making a good choice, but it wasn't God's plan. Joseph was actually being a good guy when he was thinking of putting her away quietly, when he was thinking of divorcing her or or whatever wording your translation used, and you know, I had already started talking about that, but Joseph was actually being a good guy, a nice guy, and trying to protect her and make a good, a good choice. But it wasn't God's plan. He was planning to do a good thing, and it was actually a noble thing. If you look into it, into their laws and into their culture and the way that they lived. It was a very noble and honorable thing that Joseph was trying to do. It's to protect Mary. Right before the angel showed up. I'm going to read you that one verse again to refresh your memory. What we just read, it was verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. See... In that situation, before the angel showed up, and Joseph thought that Mary was in the wrong and she was pregnant, remember? The best case for Joseph in this situation would have been to expose Mary, to bring her before the people, and say, she's pregnant, it's not my baby. To have a trial in front of the people. Because at that point, all of the shame would go on Mary. All of the punishment would go on Mary because Joseph is saying, I have not slept with her. I have not done the wrong thing. And at that point in time, according to the law, 
Joseph would get all of his wealth back from her parents, all of his wealth that he had given to support her and prove that all those things, all the material things, all the financial things, the animals, whatever was involved there, Joseph would automatically get all of that back and Joseph would have a clean reputation. Joseph could get remarried to someone else. Someone else would betroth their daughter to him and he could move on with his life and have kids and live the dream and be a success. That would have been best case for Joseph would have been to bring her to trial publicly to expose her sin. Worst case for Joseph after doing some reading up on it, and I didn't realize it because when we read this story, we say, oh, well, you know, Joseph was just thinking about just secretly divorcing her and getting rid of her because he didn't know it was God's baby. But actually, that was the absolute worst thing for Joseph. Because for Joseph to call off the marriage, they were already legally married, so for Joseph to call off the marriage or to divorce her, however your Bible words it, but whatever what he was talking about there, was to divorce her, and then she's obviously pregnant, is Joseph admitting, I messed up. I got her pregnant before I was supposed to, and now I'm quietly breaking it off. The, the quietly part means he's not willing to bring it to trial or to court in front of the elders. And the only reason a man wouldn't bring her before the elders into court and trial is because he was at fault. He got her pregnant. It wasn't just somebody else. So for him to do it quietly is for him to admit, it's my sin. In other words, I'll take the shame. She would, be, she would get to keep all of the wealth. She would be taken care of. Her mother and father would get to keep all the gifts and all the wealth that Joseph gave so that her and the baby would be taken care of. And no shame would have been put on Mary and she would have been free to remarry, and Joseph would have taken all the shame and all the guilt on him. That's what he was planning to do when the angel showed up. That was his plan, was to protect her even though she hurt him. He said, I'll take the shame. I'll take the guilt. I don't even know whose kid that is, but I, I'm not going to let her be homeless. And try to raise a kid out on her own. That's what kind of man Joseph was. Man, it really reminds me of the kind of man Joseph raised in Jesus. That said, I'll take on the shame. Even though they're the ones that messed up, I'll take their shame on me. I want them to live a good life. I want them to be free. I want them to experience everything that life has to offer. So I'll take their shame. I'll take their hurt. I'll take their pain. That's what kind of man Joseph was, and that's what kind of man he raised Jesus to be. That's part of the character that God saw in Joseph when he said, that's the man I want to raise my kid. Because he looks what? He looks like what I want my son to look like and what my son's going to need to look like to save the world. He's going to be good at raising heroes. See, Joseph was trying to do the right thing. It was actually the worst case for him. He wasn't being selfish at all. 
And Joseph was going to take all the shame. And then the angel said, this is the plan. And after the angel said, this is the plan, Joseph chose to believe. You know, you can be brave. If you didn't hear last week's message, go back and listen to it. where We talked about, like, you feel fear, but you can choose courage. Courage is something you can choose. We're commanded to have courage. And every time you feel fear, you can have courage, right? You can choose to be brave. I'm sure Joseph was scared of all the shame and the ridicule and that his life was going to fall apart and that he would lose everything financially and his status in the church and everything. You can choose to be brave. You can choose to have courage. I'm going to send out a, a challenge to our men in the church over the next the next week for the year to come because it's something that God's been challenging me with and I'm going to accept the challenge and I'm going to send out a challenge to to all of our men and to be better mentally and physically and spiritually to make you a better man next year to commit to do these things but ultimately it's a choice right? you choose you get to choose just like Joseph got to choose we all do you know every single significant moment that I can find in scripture is built around a choice it's built around somebody making a choice in a moment and a lot of times it was a bad moment a lot of times it was in a moment of pain or a moment of desperation or a moment of rock bottom or like a lot of times it was a hard moment. But every significant moment is built around a choice. So I want to tell you today, don't get stuck. Don't be afraid to step into the new. We took the whole month of November and did messages on the new and stepping into the new thing that God wants to do in your life. And God saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you see it? Do you believe it? Will you see it? Will you step into it? Or are you afraid? Are you going to be stuck in the past? Don't get stuck where you are, even if it's great. Even if you've seen a lot of success. Keep growing. Keep moving. Keep looking for God. You know, in the year 2000, the CEO of Blockbuster was offered a, a little company called Netflix. He was offered to buy it. This was in the year 2000, 22 years ago. When you think about this, somebody came to him and said, hey, you know, these movie stores, these VHS stores that you own, Blockbuster, they're going to eventually go out. Technology's going to take over. So I'm going to offer you to get in on the new that's coming. And so he was offered a company called Netflix for $50 million. He laughed at them and turned it down. There ain't no way. People love coming to my stores on Friday and picking out two or three movies, and I make a little extra money off the late fees when they don't return them on time. He wasn't willing to embrace that something new was coming and keep growing. He was just stuck in, no, oh, this is working fine. And so he turned it down. Now, 22 years later, Blockbuster is no more. And Netflix is valued at $32.9 billion. With a B. 
not million, $32.9 billion. Blockbuster's done. It's gone. If you do not learn how to embrace a new way or to have the faith to step, to step into something different, then you're going to eventually be left behind. Right? Because the, things keep moving and things keep growing and, and God is constantly doing a new thing in the world. Don't get left behind. Keep growing. Keep moving. Keep expanding. You know what? A farmer that has the most incredible crop, the most incredible return, like nobody's ever grown as much corn as I grew this year. Guess what they got to do next year? They still replant. You don't just stop planting because you were a success. No, we got to grow again next year. And so it is with us. Well, I thought God was in control of everything. Why should I make a choice or have to, have to do it? Why does it matter what I choose? God is in charge of everything. Right? God's in charge of everything, but He doesn't control everything. Every parent should understand this. All right, think about it. You're in charge but because of free will, you can't control everything that happens in your house. You have free will. Yes, you're in charge. You're the boss. But you don't control everything. You can't. A kid can go to the refrigerator and open it up. And even if he's as small as Lincoln, he can open up the refrigerator and climb up in there and grab stuff, dump it out in the floor. That doesn't mean that Tyler or Favor is not in charge. They don't control everything. Why? Because of free will. Without free will and without the ability to choose, there can be no real love. So God gives us all free will. And yes, God is in charge. But He gives us the ability to choose. And He wants us to choose Him. He wants us to choose relationship with Him. He wants us to choose to love each other. See, an environment of control produces fear. That's what was wrong with the law. That's what was wrong with all of Moses' laws. And they kept putting more and more. And they had over 400 laws on the Jews trying to make them look right, live right, walk right, talk right. And it just wasn't working. It just produced fear. Until God sent Jesus to bring the new covenant a new way. Without free will, the power to choose. There can be no real love. And God is love. One time Jesus was talking in John 10. John 10 verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture, or that word is rest or peace. The thief, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But here's why Jesus came out of his own mouth. I am come that they, or you, 
might have life, that they might have it more abundantly or to the full. He said, man, I came because I want them to have a full life, good life, life to the full, to experience and get all they can out of life. He wants you to enjoy life, to be fulfilled, to have purpose and meaning, to connect with people, to learn how to give like he did because love gives. Living my best life. You know, when somebody puts, goes on social media or something and puts, living my best life, hashtag best life. They're usually sitting on a beach or something with their toes in the sand and a little drink with an umbrella in it or something. Best life. But really, that's not your best life. It's just a vacation from the life that you've created. Vacations are awesome, and I love them. But, you know, like by the end of the vacation, I don't know about you, but I'm, I want to kind of get ready to get back home and get back to life. And it's good for rest and fun. But here's the thing. A vacation is not satisfying or fulfilling. We want to seize the day and seize the moment. Making every day count. We've been talking about taking those steps towards what God has for us and building a legacy, something that's going to last longer than us. A dynasty is all about what I can get for me. A legacy is what I can give. So your best life is what? It's a life of purpose. It's a life of generosity and service. It's like Mary being blessed and highly favored. It means I'll let God flow through me to the world. Blessings don't just come to me. Blessings go through me. God's given me money and time and talents and treasures so that I can give them away to my family and to my friends and to you guys and, and that the things don't just come to me and stop with me, but they bless the people around me. And I'm fulfilled. I'm living my best life and I feel purpose and joy and hope and happiness. Sometimes we think that life happens to us, but life happens through us. So how do I live my best life? I learn to be a good steward of my time, my talents, and my treasures. Of whatever life gave me. Work what you got. You know, you will not be held accountable for what you didn't have. You won't be asked to give something you don't have. You won't be held accountable for the things that you don't have. Use what you do have. Right? Obey. Give God what, what you do have. Play the hand that you were dealt. It may not seem like it, but you are blessed and highly favored. God has a purpose for you. Will you let it flow through you? I'll end, um, I'll end with this thought. We were going to go to another scripture, but we won't go to John. I'll end. Um, Matthew 1, 22, that, uh, that scripture that I already read is what the angel said at the very end to Joseph. All this took place to fulfill 
what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That thought. All of this took place to fulfill what the prophet said. All of that took place for this. All of what? All that we've been talking about. That, that God became a man. That, that a virgin, a teenage girl had to say yes to God's plan. And that Joseph had to say yes. And all the struggles and the, the, all of that took place for this. For this moment. For this relationship that you get now for, for our salvation. All of that took place for this. This hope. Jesus came 2,000 years ago for this. You know God put you here. In this time, in this day, you're alive for a reason and a purpose. And I believe you're here in this room for a purpose. And that God had something to speak to you today. See, God put you here because He is in pursuit of you. And He wants to satisfy you. And He wants to realize. He wants you to realize that He loves you. And that He sent His Son for you. And He died for you. And that He placed purpose on the inside of you. And all you have to do is make a choice to say yes. I want to step into that. He wants you to realize that one more sexual encounter won't do it. One more promotion at work's not going to fulfill you or give you the life you're looking for. One more zero in your paycheck, that's not going to do it. One more high, one more drink, one more kid, one more success, one more car, one more house, one more vacation. None of that stuff will do it. None of that stuff will fulfill you or allow you to live your best life. Because you need Him. And you were far, far away. And all of that took place for this. For the moment that He got your attention. God threw up a Hail Mary. And He knew it would work. He said, I'm going to send my son. And it's going to work. And because of his sacrifice, I'm going to bring many sons and daughters back home. Into relationship and they will be powerful. And because of their love for each other, the world will look at my disciples and know that they're my disciples. Because of the way that they love each other. All of that was for this. All of that, all that stuff was for you and for me. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. I don't think I could have done it. I know I couldn't. I don't even understand a love like that. A love that loved us and 
and had this whole plan that even when we spit in your face and we turned our back on you and we ran as far as we could, that you still chase after us and that you pursue us and that you place greatness on the inside of us. And I don't even understand it. But I just say thank you. I receive it. I accept it. And I thank you for it. God, thank you for being real. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds. And thank you for giving us the strength to make the choices to obey you. To be the men and the women that you've called us to be. God, give us courage as we face the world that we live in. Help us to show you. God, thank you for reminding us the real reason for the season. Thank you for Christmas. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.